you have them. You just may not want to acknowledge that you have them. You have unique talents and you have unique gifts. Thinking as I was singing the song, Take My Hand and Lead Me, is our desire to have that willing spirit to let God do the leading. And I was thinking about parents with small children, when you're out in public somewhere and you've got them by the hand, and you know, sometimes they really don't want to go with where you're wanting to go, and they kind of hold back. Uh, I don't know if we do that sometimes with God. He said, take my hand and lead me, Lord, anywhere you would, anywhere that you need me. And sometimes we get to watch what we pray, because sometimes that may get to be the case. There an individual that had gone to Germany during the war, and when he got home, he had made a promise that he kept to his dying day. He said, well, if I get home safely, I promise that I will never set foot outside of my county that he lived in. And that's where he stayed. Uh, he said, I've seen all I want to see. I don't want to see no more. And I'm just going to stay right here. Well, if he served the Lord there, that's fine. The thought is, we are the servants. And God is the one who makes the decisions as to where he wants to lead us and the things he wants us to do and the talents that he wants us to develop along the way. Sometimes those are kind of hard to work with as in the physical realm. As a child, you have no clue basically what you want to do. You may have an idea, don't know all that's involved in that, but oftentimes that changes as the days go forth. Sometimes, some of us were not always fond of school and was told by mother one time, he said, she, well, she told me, she said, if you don't apply yourself at school, you're just going to end up being a ditch digger. And my response was, well, I'll be the happiest ditch digger there is. <laughs> Wasn't the best response to give. Uh, but simply saying that, you know, we, we sometimes balk at God, what God may have in store for us. But we're so familiar with it in the physical realm. We see it all the time in the development that we have as children growing up, as adults making changes in lives, changing careers, or whatever else may be there. God still has his hand in what we do. And ours is to let him lead us and let him, let him use us as a vessel in his service. Paul, in writing to the preacher Timothy in the second letter, and in the second chapter, starting in verse 19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But notice what it says, the Lord knows those who are his. He knows your total makeup. He knows exactly who you are. He knows what you're capable of doing. And he knows how he wants to use you in his service. And ours is to let him do the molding. And be that servant and use that unique talent and gift that he may give to us.
But in the great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, from the dishonor, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. You'll be a vessel of honor. The thought that you in God's house would be considered as a vessel of honor in his sight. That you have been sanctified, set apart for a very good work. But in order to do that, you have to flee the useful lust. You need to pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they gender strife. And the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle with all, able to teach, patient, in humility correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. And that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. The whole book is an interesting book to read. But the thought of we're in God's house and he's the master and he's the one who sets the guidelines, he sets the task, and he's the one that entrusts us with that precious gift of the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ. And that he does expect us to use what he's given to us in whatever way that may be done in a variety of different ways, the dropping of a card, the dropping off of a gift, the dropping off of some food or whatever else may be, little things that are done for those that have a need will never know the good that it has done. But it's understanding we have a, a gift, a unique talent that applies to us. No two of us are identical. No two of us are identical in the works that we do, whatever it may be. And so we have to work up through, at times, that concept. Well, let Jerry do it. He can do it better than I can. Uh, I offer Jerry periodically if he wants to swap with me, but he hasn't taken me up on that yet. Uh, but... We do that and say, well, somebody else can do a better job than I can. That may be. That may not be true. But that's not the point. The point is, God has laid that on you for you to do that. You may have the five. You may have the two. You may have the one talent. That doesn't matter. It's using the talent that you have. And they say, well, I do not have one. Yes, you do. Your presence here is a part of that. That's part of what you are. That's part of the talent that is yours and the encouragement that you give to one another as we gather this evening. So we have a talent. We have a capability. 
And we need to understand that, and we need to be willing to use that and to know that it'll multiply. It always multiplies. It does that in the physical realm. That you do your job, and then it watches, see how it grows and develops, and you may not do what you were trained to do. A different field may open up, you get to work in. And so it's always anywhere you need me. Take my hand and lead me. And again, these are words that are to be coming from your heart. Because these are words that you are singing to God. And you're telling God, anywhere you need me, you just take my hand and lead me. And trust him. He's not looking to make you look foolish. He's not looking to take you someplace and then when you get there, he <laughs> says, I'm done, I'm gone. You're on your own now. He's never done that. And it's always been that challenge. He's talking to this young preacher, Timothy, who faced some obstacles in his day. And he's facing some as Peter, uh, Paul is writing to him. He says, you need to understand what God has given to you. Not a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power. You have God on your side. And again, reading the scriptures, making observations in life, and it is amazing what God has done and what God is doing. And that's what makes the difference. You as a unique individual are special and precious in the sight of God. And there's a work that you do that is unique to you. Others may do that work, may have, have done it, may be doing it now. Some may be doing it when you're gone. But that doesn't matter. There's a work that is unique to you. We need to be willing to want to find that. The Lord knows those that are his. And we need that in our lives so that we can do the things that God would have us to do within the life that we have. We want to be that vessel of gold and not a vessel of dishonor. God has and God will use every individual. Remember what Mordecai told Esther? Who knows whether you come to the kingdom for such a time as this? But let it be known unto you. If you do not do what's being asked of you, Rest assured, God's will will be done. It will not be beneficial to you. God's will will be done. He will get his will accomplished. And it's amazing how long he works with us. Giving us that time to grow, to stumble, to fall, to reach up, to try again. And we never know what we can or cannot do until we're willing to try something then it may not work. But that's not the key point. There was a time when I was going to junior college, I thought I might want to go into architecture. I got a drawing that I did. <laughs> the house I wanted to build, I look at that thing now, I say, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> you know? That one didn't work. That's okay. 
But I'm sure Lowell's first draw may not have been real spectacular either. Or Norman's, you know, it's, that's not where it ends. See, that's what we judge it by so many times, isn't it? I tried that. <laughs> I fell flat on my face. It just didn't work. And you've got to try it again. You've got to have that confidence that God is going to work with you. It doesn't work there. He has another plan, another area that you can work in. And you get to work around. And sometimes it is just that encourager. How many times have you been encouraged by somebody who's come up and said, I really appreciate you. I'm thankful for you, and I'm grateful that you're a part of the congregation here. That kind of, kind of lifts your spirits. And that may be all that you can do. But that's something that's important. And working and doing his will. The thought that he will take care of those that are dishonored. And we want to move to that, be that vessel of honor. To be that clay that's being molded and shaped by the Father. Again, I've always liked Genesis 2, 7. And God formed man out of the dust of the ground. Formed him, shaped him out of the dust of the ground. Then breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. God formed and shaped this creation of us. Jeremiah 18, the potter and the clay. Do you not understand, as he's telling Jeremiah, as he watched the potter, that Israel, you're like the, this clay in the hands of a potter. And he can mold and shape it. And what I like, I like he can mold and shape us into the vessel of his choosing. But I like the other part of it as well. If the vessel is marred, doesn't say how it was marred. It just says the vessel was marred. And he could reshape it into another vessel of his choosing. You've got to love that. You may make the mistake. You may not be able to serve in this capacity. But rest assured, God has a place for you. He can reshape you. Restructure you. Give you a different talent to work in another area. We read and we study. Enjoy the, the series on Nehemiah as, he, as we take the different examples. Here's what Nehemiah did, and here's a similar story, and here's a horror story, and here's our story. If you don't see the hand of God working in that, I mean, in those horror stories, was God not still working? Shaping individuals, taking them who had fallen, and then building them up and to use them again. We always go through the question, what if? What if Samson had never done the things that he had done? What type of servant could he have been? It doesn't matter. God used him. Yes, a lot of damage was done, a lot of lives were lost, but that happens in life. And ours is to realize it's not in us. Ours is to continue to surrender. Let him do that molding and shaping. It's a vessel of his choosing. First Corinthians 12 and verse 18, it goes along with that as well. 
There's many members in the body. There's one body. But God has placed the members in the body just as it has pleased him. And again, you work with that a little bit. God placed you where he wants you to be. He has a job for you to do. You're here because that's where he wants you to be. And again, very few of us that are here this evening are those that grew up here. And this is our home congregation. Most of us are transplants. We came here from other areas for different reasons that brought us here. And for what purpose? Our purpose is to glorify God where we, where we live and where we worship. So that the light shine here. So that the world around us may see that love of God and who he is. And the patience of God and how he desires to work with individuals. Regardless of who they are. How he can take them and mold them and shape them into a vessel of his choosing. But we have to cleanse ourselves. We're going to be a God's vessel. And use that unique talent that is given to us. We have to get rid of the dishonor. We have to be cleansed. We have to become that new creation. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You're a new creation. And as a new creation, as the scriptures talk about, we're like babes in Christ. It's a learning process. It's a growing process. And it's not always easy. It's always fun to, to watch small children as they're beginning to grow and they reach that point where they've been crawling around and they decide to walk. And then when they walk, they stumble and they fall and then they want to crawl some more. Until they finally figure out you can go a lot farther and a lot faster if you get up and you walk. And then they work that out. It's not always pleasant. So back in the days when you used cloth diapers, you could put a bunch of diapers on them, and when they fell on the bottom, they didn't get hurt. <laughs> they could just bounce back up and keep going. We are always children. But that we are the children of a loving Father who's wrapped his arms around us and who cares very deeply for us. And when we cry, he cries. He knows what we're going through. He sustains us. And he refuses to give up. Perhaps one may come back. That's what he says down there towards the end of the reading, wasn't it? Those who have been taken captive by Satan to do his will. That they may, perhaps they may come to their senses. And escape that snare of the devil. And understand that's what it is. It's a snare. You do not see the snare. He's very luring what he has in the inside that we desire and long for, whatever it may be. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, or the pride of life. Something in there that catches our eye. But it's a snare to entrap us. And we need to be careful. Remind ourselves again who we are. We're just strangers here. Of the book of Hebrews chapter 11 particularly. Strangers going through this land. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. So where I am in this land really does not matter. I may have my brothers. But I found out a long time ago. My brothers really don't 
concern God. Well, I really rather do this, God. And he said, no, this is where the door is. This is where you go through. And you'll be glad that you did go through that door one day. I trust him. Not always easy, but I trust him. I walk with physical eyes. I look with physical eyes. I hear with physical ears. And if I'm not careful, I let what I see and what I hear influence to a greater degree than it needs to be. No. God's is a voice that I need to hear. And I find that through his word that I need to clarify or purify myself and give myself over to God to do his will. I've got to pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. These are qualities without which we will not, we don't have these qualities, we will not see the Lord. So these are qualities we need to work on, pursue righteousness. Not just look at it, pursue it, seek it, desire it, long for it. That faith, that trust in God, that love, that genuine love out of 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 8. And as you read those and continue to reread those, all they do is talk about a life that has been surrendered to God. Love does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It's not easily entreated. We'll forgive the wrong. So that says, I died. It's not me. It's God living in me. And I want those qualities. And those are qualities that I have to pursue. They're not handed to me individually. Say, here, you've got the collection that's in your hands now. You've got it. You've got to want it. You've got to pursue it, seek for it in your life. And that we want to be those who are called by the Lord, who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. There's no gimmick here. There's no prestige here. There's no self-elevation here. No self-gain. We seek the Lord out of a pure heart. Understanding the, the horror of our sins. Understanding the cost of our sins. Understanding the depths of God's love because of our sins. And all we can do is just surrender. Isn't that what we're saying from time to time? All to thee I surrender. I surrender all. I surrender. Create in me a new heart, O oh Lord. Make me new. Make me more like you. All those songs that we're singing, those are to teach and to admonish us. They're to edify us. There's a builder's up there. It's to remind us the type of life that we need to be living and what it is that God wants us to do. And then for us to be willing to set about to do that to encourage one another along the way. And again, we live in a world that sometimes it's hard to avoid the mud that is slung around or the, the dirt that we have to go through. And sometimes it's hard not to let the, the tinkle, the twinkle 
of Satan's devices catch the glimmer of our eye to take our, our view off of God for just a second. We know it in the physical realm. You know, if you go wherever it is that you decide to go, if you're going to go, I'm going up to see my mother-in-law. I know the road. And so I do not let the side roads bother me. I do not let the twinkle along the side, whatever it may be, because they're out there to catch your attention, to get you to turn off, to, to, to visit whatever else they may want you to do. You know where you want to go, and you stay on that road until you get where you want to go. Is that not true spiritually? Is that not true spiritually? I know where I want to go. I want to go to heaven. And I would hate to let some minor thing of this world derail me and take me away from God. For a moment, whatever it may be, however long it lasts, it's still only for a moment. Because this world is going to cease to be. And eternity will be there. So it's self-determination. You have to have the mindset. This is what we want to do. This is where we're going to go. And this is how we strive to get there within our lives. The servant of the Lord must be gentle towards all. That's always easy to do. Be gentle in our correction. Be gentle in our suggestions. Whatever else may be there. But to do it. But to understand. That was something I read. What we call the golden rule. To do unto others as you would have them do unto you. How would you want to be approached? How would you want to be corrected? To do that unto others. Sometimes we want to be quick to point out. Used to be, I'm sure they're still around, but they're not around. They're in the antique stores. Little magnets on the refrigerator says, Be patient with me. God isn't finished yet. And the other one that goes along with it, God does not make junk. You're created in the image of God, and God does not make junk. You're special to God. Be patient. We're not done yet. We got a life here to live and working with each other. But the reward of working together, the reward of serving God, the reward of honoring God, indeed is far Superior, superior, and is out of this world. The sad commentary is what we're going to sing. So many are almost persuaded. We use it as an invitation song, almost persuaded, and almost is but lost. Sometimes we're almost persuaded to turn our lives and to do what's right. Almost. And God's desire is that we would be fully persuaded. Live for Jesus and his disciple ever be. So as we look at our lives, where is it? Where is it in the eyes of God? What is it that God would have us to do? Find it. Implement it. And then help others as we walk together through this life. You be subject to that invitation if we could assist you, if we could help you in any way.
That invitation is open, and we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.